Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. This podcast is an experiment in philosophical conversation, intended to inspire hope and inspiration in your creative pursuits. Follow along as I interview creatives from all backgrounds and walks of life. Listen while you work, listen while you create, listen while you dream up your next breakthrough idea. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, or craft, whatever that looks like. Now, let's dive into this concept we call creativity. Hey there, friends. I'm your host, Taylor G., here with another podcast episode. Really excited about this one. In this episode, I interview my friend Daryl Gibson. So Daryl is a master mechanic. He's been working on cars and tinkering with things his entire life. Uh, Not entire life. There was a, a, a time there before he got into the career section where he was doing other things. But he found his groove and yeah, he, he knows his business. He is a master mechanic and loves cars, loves uh, the way that they work and the style and driving them and everything. And we dive into the art of all of it in this episode. So yeah, I hope you're doing something creative. This uh, interview, these these podcasts are intended to inspire you. Listen while you work on whatever it is that you work on and do your thing, get into your creative flow while you're listening to others talk about theirs, and just enjoy every second of it. Please, this is what life is all about, is being creative and getting funky with whatever it is that you do. So, without further ado, Daryl Gibson. Welcome, everybody to the Art and Life podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos, and with me today is my good friend, Daryl Gibson. Daryl is a, he's an auto mechanic. He is a car aficionado, and uh, he's just an all-around stud. So, Daryl, thanks <laughs> for being on the podcast with me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Tay. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so, you know cars. Little you know bit. cars really well. Yeah. And, uh, and that was like what I was really excited about having you on to talk about and have you geek out on it for us. So, um, but first off, let's just start with, uh, who you are, where you're from, how you got to where you're at and what you do. Well, um, obviously Daryl Gibson came from Colorado Springs. Um, say I started working on cars when I was real young, probably six, seven years old. Um, and just always had, always had a thing in my bring to always tinker on stuff when I was a kid. So I was always building something, taking something apart, breaking something. (laughs) (laughs) So then my grandpa put a wrench in my hand and was like, actually do something with with all this. So I started just building stuff. So becoming really good at it. I think by about 10 or 12 years old, I was actually making something that actually worked, you know. And what was that? It was a go-kart, actually. It was my first (laughs) go-kart. So I was driving. I was driving the streets in a three and a half horsepower uh, go kart at twelve years. <laughs> That's it was awesome. Probably, it was probably the sketchiest thing on the road. It was not safe at all, <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. I mean, it was. It's the first project, you know, how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then what came next after that? Next after that, oh, I don't know. I got into audio stuff um subs amps you know the big speaker thing back in high school you know everybody kind of did that in the 2000s mm-hmm. did that till it died um and then i don't know kind of there was a lull in between probably my high school years and actually getting out and having a career in automotive so in my high school years we just played around um always dreamed about building these big cool cars but nobody had jobs nobody had money <laughs> Yep. So we always wanted to do that kind of stuff. So we, we always dreamed about just getting into shops and getting into a place where we could actually work on cars and do stuff like that. Me and my buddies, you know, the crew. Yeah. Um, out of all of them, I'm the only one that actually became a mechanic. 
So it's kind of funny, but I'm, I'm the guy that um, they all go to. So it's kind yeah. of being that guy. Oh, yeah. You've helped me with uh, many questions. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I enjoy doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when did you make it into like a, into a career and how did you do that? So moved to fast forward probably 15 years later um moved to boulder colorado and i was living in portland at the time wasn't working on cars i was doing a delivery job um for a little bit for this little company um decided to move back and then uh got into this place called pelman's automotive here in boulder and uh i'm a rookie at the time i mean i know cars but i don't know how to service them really work on them properly you know all that stuff um, they took me under my wing, under their wing, and um, put me through training and trusted me on how I worked on cars. And you know, five years later went by, and I'm a master certified. And I've been doing that for since 2010, and it's now 2020, and I'm still at it. Yeah. 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 And so then you, and so then that's like your your steady i guess like steady like career side of it and then right. you've got your you tinker on like you've got your own well, um, forerunner that you do all kinds of things to yeah. and then you've got a car in the garage too oh yeah the car in the garage yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's an 88 rx7 um, those cars um came with a what they call a wankel engine which was they call it Dorito. It's a triangle and it doesn't have any pistons. Most cars, all cars have pistons other than hybrids and electrics, um, which are just cylinders. Um, with the, with the Winkle, it's just a triangle and then a triangle within a triangle. It's hard to explain without <laughs> a picture in front of you, but you can just imagine, um, two triangles spinning inside and that's how that works. And it's, it's so weird. So I took that motor out. <laughs> put in yeah. a small block Chevy out of a uh, Chevy pickup um, bolted in all these other parts that make things happy um, and lowered it down nice wheels put in a roll cage that I'm doing myself um, doing body work myself um, everything on this car I've touched but that's my that's my main project right now but hopefully soon it'll be up and running and people can actually see it mm-hmm <laughs> nice yeah that one i've been working on for at least six seven years now yeah and uh like what percentage completion do you think you're at right now probably i'd say 70 percent which is pretty good yeah i mean it's it's on its way to actually starting and running probably by the end of the month Okay. Which is a big, a big thing, but once it runs and starts, then you pull it all apart, make everything dirty, and then put it back together again. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a thing, but you have to put it together first, make sure everything fits, works, because this is all the stuff I'm putting on this car didn't come on this car originally, so I have to make sure it all works, fits together, works right, drive it for a little bit, tear it all back apart, and then I'll do my paint, body, and all that stuff, and then it'll be a complete car then. Wow, so you build it twice. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Hope you like it the well, first time you built it or not. If not, you gotta do it again. Wow. That's interesting because uh with my paintings, mm-hmm. they're like I basically paint it two or three times and there's different layers that add to it and like yeah. create the shapes and like I need to know that things are in the right place, kinda like you're talking about. And then exactly. And then I'll add other layers on top that like add distortion to the effect or kind of like I kind of like mess it up or take it apart. And then I'll like bring the the actual like concrete layers back. So it's like I actually paint it multiple times. Right. It's interesting to hear. Yeah, it's crazy how that process works. But no, it's it's a hundred percent same thing. You you're building something, if you're creating something, that's it starts as a as an idea. And then you got to put that idea out there and then you're like, all right, now I'm going to adjust the idea because 
it didn't work. It doesn't work that way. I have to figure out how it works. And then once you figure out how it works, then you're like, all right, now here's my final product. Dude. So, I mean, obviously there's tons of creative problem solving involved in what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to get real creative. And if it's not, if you don't be creative, you can't do anything you want. Like you just stuck. Yeah. Do you feel like you get into, do you feel like you think about it a lot? Like your, your car, like, is there like, it's, yeah, are you it's thinking often, about this like in different right. times of your life? Right. Like it could be, it could just be out with the kids doing whatever in the next day. I'm like, where does that fitting, what fitting do I need for that? And how long is <laughs> it? And then I'll zone back in and be like, oh, oh yeah, no, I'm here. I'm here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the mind of a mechanic it's always it's always turning and gearing and doing something it's like a squirrel you'll hear a exhaust tone and and stop what you're doing and, and look around and everybody's like what's wrong with that guy it's like, like no, from a car driving by oh yeah that happens so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean well i mean in art in the in i think in any creative field like a lot of times the ideas the solutions come to you from outside the actual like place where you're thinking about it. Like they don't happen in the shop. Right. It doesn't happen in the garage. It doesn't happen when I'm actually working on the car. Like it happens other places. I could be out and see something and be like, Oh, I didn't even think about doing it that way. I'm glad I didn't do it that way. Didn't waste my time doing it that way. It's just a lot of research. I feel like life is research. You're just out there kind of putting things together and you see something like that might work. If I try it, let me see if it works. I've had things that work on this car that I couldn't believe. I just read off the internet and it's like, let's just see. A thousand people have done this and <laughs> if it works, it works and it will give me buy me time and get me on to the next part of my project. Do you then, feel like right now? Oh, go ahead. Oh, and when it works out, it's it's awesome. And you're like, cool, let's move on now. Yeah. Do you feel like right now is the best time in history to be a mechanic? Or was Man, there a better time? I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I've worked on anything from 1930s to 2020. I mean, they're all different in their own way. Um, I feel like now, obviously, 2020 stuff is way easier. Anything from 20, 2005 and up is pretty simpler to work on than anything in the 90s and 80s for some reason they were just trying to figure things out back then for emissions and they tried way too hard and made it simple in the 2000s <laughs> wow so, yeah, i'd say i'd say the 2000s yeah and up is the best era to be a mechanic yes okay yeah so almost almost like there was like a a renaissance like breakthrough right yeah there was an era in the 80s where everything was vacuum driven and still had a carburetor and was just terrible. <laughs> no power. They were just trying to get it so they could pass emissions. This is the big emissions mandate back in the eighties yeah. and seventies when they were just starting to start this stuff and car companies didn't know how to react. So they just did whatever they could to make it work and they killed horsepower, killed all that stuff and for mechanics. It was terrible. <laughs> and then, what do you think? Go ahead. And then through that whole thing between 80s and 90s, they came up with three different systems between that whole thing that all the mechanics had to learn. So every two or three years, you had to learn a new system because of the cars changed that fast. And now we're starting to finally slow down to where everything's kind of the same system. We can all play together again and actually work together and, and fix cars now. <laughs> huh. Yeah. What do you think about cars from like the 60s like those classic ones they're sweet they're simple they're so simple that's when things were, were nice and, and very simple and easy um it was literally a motor drivetrain seats but there was no safety to those you know once the safety issues came up you were like well then we have to change this to this and cars can't be steel because they'll blow right through the plastic cars and yeah beautiful right. cars beautiful vintage um, body lines, their shapes um, definitely changed how cars are looked at today. Um, but it's just one of those things where it's it's old technology. Yeah. Yeah. So 
you came out visit. I was pretty nice. So I was asking Taylor. He had to go. I think you had to do some art stuff that day. And I was, early in the morning, I'm like, man, I have a Camaro. They'll let me rent. I need to go drive it somewhere really nice. Like, oh, I know where some mountains are. There's some mountains out right behind. I'm like, all right, perfect, cool. Let's just tell me where to go. <laughs> I was like, this is the entry point. This is the entry point. So took it out there, cruised around, just started going out, and yeah, it was just fuck? beautiful scenery. Um, ended up turning the traction control off on the car, letting it stretch his legs a little bit, which was nice. And yeah, nobody was out there. Drift some corners and have some high speed turns and hit up a gas station. And next thing you know, you see some Vipers and some other cars flying by, and you jump back in the car and go chase them down too. But yeah, no, very exhilarating. Um, it was a good spot to go to. Uh, like I said, no, no cops, no traffic. Um, lots of turns and straightaways and views. It was, it was awesome. Okay, so we're back. Now, Daryl, you were just telling us of driving the mountains. So I'm pretty sure that was a red Camaro, right? And what yeah. year was that? I'm pretty sure it was a 14 or 15. I mean, I got it from the rental place. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was an upgrade, actually. Um, I wasn't going to, I wasn't planning on renting anything nice. I was just going to come down to this car show and hang out with you. I'm pretty sure I was going to get like a Fiesta or something like that. And, uh, the rental guy was like, so what are you here for? And I'm like, oh, I'm coming out to see a car show with my buddy and hang out. And he's like, and you're in a focus? So I'm like, yeah. He's like, nah, man, we got a <laughs> we got a Camaro up there, we have a Challenger, and then we have a car. So I'm, like, right, um, I'm down for the Camaro. Let me go look at the Camaro. So it gives me the Camaro for the same price as uh, the Focus would have been. So I'm like, cool. I'll take it. Bonus. <laughs> yeah. So I get to cruise around San Diego in a 15 uh, Camaro SS. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty nice. Yeah, and you were ripping. So, so then that, that mm-hmm. mountain road is crazy. Yeah. So we get on, I take it out on the mountain by myself because you guys are all gone. Um, and the first thing I had to do was burnout. So I sit at the stop sign and do a good little 10-second burnout and then head up the mountain and play around there's nobody to be seen it's just quiet um beautiful views clear day some you don't see anymore now in that area anymore sadly um <laughs> yeah but it was a gorgeous drive um took it up through the mountains um just played around didn't do anything crazy i mean didn't get the insurance so i didn't want to wreck it <laughs> <laughs> i was like i'll play around but i don't want to wreck it so yeah. took it around took some photos with it played around with it um yeah i just came back out i think it came back out in encinitas or something like that is that where it comes out at yep yeah yep. came out through there had lunch at in and out burger like you should and then uh cruised on back down yeah and yeah. uh i mean i got to cruise around with you in a little bit and you you pushed the the gas around a little bit and that was i can only imagine what you're doing on your yeah. own right. whipping yeah, around turns. Little turn. yeah right exactly exactly no, I enjoy driving like that. I mean, that's kind of what I'm building my car for is for drifting um, and a little bit of road race. Um, but yeah, that's that's my little passion there is driving cars as hard as I can. Um, I came from a dealership where we sold a whole bunch of sports cars and stuff, and that was kind of the test for them. They're like, if you if it doesn't blow up, we can sell it. Cool. So, they let me so go you drive. took it out and ripped it. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, and they like drive it like a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my job. So I did that for a couple of years, and it was real fun. We got to play around with a lot of cool stuff, high horsepower cars. Um, I ended up building a race car for my boss for a little bit, and played around with that, and that was real nice. That was actually a really cool experience because I don't think I would have got that anywhere else. Um, ended up building him a uh, 2015 GTR uh, from the ground up. It was actually a wrecked shell of a car there was nothing there um we bought all the parts from taillights to headlights to engine transmission dash parts modules everything i mean i think we spent easily probably another 100 grand on parts just finding all the parts holy crap for that once we found everything 
<laughs> then there was a whole year of buildings and that's that's all i did for about a year um was putting this car together uh, once we got it done and got it built it put out about a thousand horsepower and is ridiculously fast <laughs> Jeez, probably the high probably the fastest car i've ever built that's for sure or even driven so wow how much okay so a thousand horsepower how much is like your average car so the camaro you were in that i came out there in um, was probably in at sea level because sea level and and mountain changes horsepower. Um, mm-hmm. Down there was probably putting out four, probably close to four hundred horsepower down there. Um, that's pretty good. That's decent. I mean, you felt that. You, you, that, yeah. that gets you, you like to get your blood going. So yes. I mean, you can imagine that three times more. I mean, this car had thirteen hundred horsepower at the motor, probably a thousand foot pounds torque. That's coming out of the wheels. It feels like a rocket ship. <laughs> and, it's all, and it's all wheel drive too so it's it's got all four tires gripping instead of just the rear wheels like the camaro was doing so i was losing traction in the camaro because it's slipping in the rear this car doesn't lose traction that i built wow so it just it just pins you in the seat you can put a 20 dollar bill on the dash on the passenger seat and say if you can grab it on this acceleration you can have it they're not going to be able to grab it because <laughs> you can't lean forward you can't lean forward yeah you're not <laughs> leaning forward. Nice. Pretty cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. were, if you were to to say, like, if if you, yeah, what's your answer to, um, like, what you would say the art of driving something like that would be? Oh man. Um. It's it's a zone. Um. It's something you have to really be in tune with. I know a lot of guys say they're drivers, like to be drivers, want to be drivers. It's it's all in and skill it's really in skill and training and and knowing the feedback of the car that you built or with the car that somebody's built for you um the art of it i mean if you watch racing especially like formula one and anything like that when they're going over 200 miles an hour i mean that's a lot of things happening (laughs) at 200 miles an hour i mean your brain has to be really focused your body's got to be focused and then you got to hope your car sticking to the track. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a lot of things that have to happen for everything to work like that. Yeah, and I, I really have been diving into the concept of flow state and being in the zone. And mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like there's like nothing that would push you to the knife edge of presence like driving a vehicle that's ridiculously fast and like any miss move and you're going into the wall. Yeah, no, totally. Totally. And it's all in judgment. I mean, it's all your judgment call. If you think you can make that move, I mean, physically the car shouldn't do that, (laughs) but, and that's, but that's, that's the part of being a driver. You want to find that limit and know you can do that. Like, all right, cool. The next lap I'm hitting that inside curve way harder than and I should be able to pass it. And if it doesn't, you're going to hit the wall and it didn't work. <laughs> and there goes a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. It happens though. It, it happens. It's crazy. It happens. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, I'm assuming that when you drive all the time at speeds like that, when you're a racer, then you would get this like intuitive connection with your vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know things. You're not really looking at gauges. You you hear the engine. You can tell when it's down down a cylinder. You can tell you're down power. You can feel a vibration, a loose lug nut. I mean, these NASCAR guys can feel loose lug nuts. It's crazy. They're like, no, I feel a vibration. They'll come back in and be like, yeah, we missed a wheel. Oh. He knows because he can feel it. He's like, that's not the vibe At 200 miles an hour, I don't feel this. <laughs> wow. And so that's where like your your team, that's why the teams are so valuable and important. You need every guy working or every every person working. Yeah. Perfectly Everybody's got to be on it perfect. Because if there's one mistake, it costs it costs you your position, it costs you a lap, it costs you time. It could cost you the race if the tire comes off. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Do you feel like you get into a zone when you're working on cars, like doing your mechanic thing? Do you do you get into a flow state? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have to with um, the work I do now. I mean, it's all um, like cars that are passenger cars and stuff. So stuff I have to get out by the end of the day. 
So you want to get in, get your stuff going, and then what we do is put on some music, get the jams going, and hopefully you got all your parts and you just jam out. And I try not to get distracted. And you just get in the focus and you don't want to make a mistake, especially doing timing components and or just doing anything quick. I mean, I usually just zone in. Yeah. <laughs> just zone in, get her done, and get it out. Yeah. Yeah. You're not yeah. you're not multitasking. You're not jumping from this car to that car to that car. Or sometimes, do you do that? sometimes. I mean, it just depends. Sometimes the the day in a in a mechanic's life, at least in my life, it's it's from eight o'clock to ten. It's just checking the car out. So, getting as many cars in, looking at them, diagnosing them, getting it turned in, so they can get me parts. And then if I have other stuff that's already sold, part stuff waiting for me at eight o'clock, I want to be jamming on it, gloves on, music going, eight o'clock go, and then hopefully done by lunch, and then start selling work for the next half of the day. Okay. So yeah, you definitely you definitely zone in, but then there's always little distractions with with um, the younger techs that don't know what what they're doing, and then they want to ask the senior guys questions, and you get distracted, but it's all part of it <laughs> right you know, right you were you were the young gun at one point asking exactly, questions right? exactly, exactly. <laughs> i know how it goes it's just if you yeah. come and ask me the same question twice that's when you get the bark <laughs> 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 you didn't get it the first time you, you need to learn <laughs> what <laughs> <Or> time <laughs> yeah <laughs> um what type of music you guys like to rock out to is everybody oh, listening exactly. to the same music Sometimes, I mean, for there? the most part, it's it's me and another guy, and one other guy. He has his headset on, so he's usually listening to whatever hell he's listening to. <laughs> Nobody knows. But me and the other guys, we just play alternative rock, whatever whatever gets us in a good beat. You know, just just keeps us moving. Um, yeah. Fridays we listen to eighties. That's just what we do on Fridays. Nice <laughs> <laughs> little aha radio. Nothing wrong with that. Totally. <laughs> So um, when you no. when you came in, oh go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, you're good. Um, when you came out and visited me, we went to a car show, mm-hmm. and there's some really there's some nice cars around here. Um, what what are your favorite like super high end cars? Um, let's see. Right now would be probably McLaren. Um, I just Why? like they just just a beautiful looking car um the 570 i have a friend that actually has a 570 and it's just such a nice car i just mid-engine um rear wheel drive two-seater the body lines are really nice on it i i just like that car a little bit better than the lamborghinis and the audis that are just like that the mid-engine cars they're just seen a lot you know i see a lot of lamborghinis (laughs) yeah so i'm like cool there's another one when you see mclaren you're like cool that's that's a cool car to me you know everybody has the the unique element of it right right i just like it's not a pointy sharp wedgy car it's got some body lines it's got some curve yeah yeah and sound too and power obviously i like horsepower too (laughs) oh yeah 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 i think it's interesting how there's like there all cars look different and there's different styles and different lines to everything but there's there are these like through lines that you see in that are that are just like sexy lines you know and you see them in cars from the 60s on through like like a stingray uh Mm -hmm. like corvette right like from the 60s those just like have this like really nice look and then like that camaro that you had and like there's it there's so many variations but there are also these like things these like they're almost like um archetypal or like like essential features to them like what do you what do you think about that i mean yeah they're definitely our features to most cars and like a lot of body lines and and body stuff that comes to that um with different car lines they try to keep to that like like you said with the stingray they want it to look like a stingray so they try to try to literally make it look like that fish like if you look at a lot of those cars you you can kind of see the resemblance to that um like cadillacs they had that that fin that big fin in the back they kind of shrunk it but the car's still big like that like they kind of mimicked that from the 60s and 50s it's just a it's just a architectural way to 
keep that car in that line. Because if you can almost like a profile. Yeah. If you if you change that whole profile, then nobody nobody even knows. Like they did that a couple of times. With the Mustang, they changed it a few times. Yeah. Terrible idea. It was a terrible idea. It still is. I mean the newer <laughs> one it's pretty nice. The, I like the newer ones, but the eighties they had a, the Fox bodies, they're terrible. <laughs> that was an economy car for a little bit and then it came back to be a muscle car again. So it's it's just funny when that happens. Yeah, it seems like there was like a muscle car renaissance that mm-hmm. happened like 10 years ago or something like that, where all of a sudden like the Charger and the um, Camaro and yeah, the Mustang, like everything just looked beefy again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of brought the horsepower wars back again. Um, yeah, it was about 10 years ago um, and it, it got big again. They tried to try to push them back out again. But the same thing, we're in a fuel economy crisis still. Um with horsepower comes gas mileage and and fuel and nobody wants to pay all that and it's hard to keep race cars on the street nowadays so you kind of have to find that balance and what the new race car now is is these hybrids now like tesla people are souping up teslas and doing things to teslas and putting those tesla motors in gas cars and making them just as fast and it's just yeah it's getting crazy it's getting pretty nuts i mean even these older cars i've worked on actually a hybrid 65 Mustang. It had batteries everywhere, but it was all fully electric. Whoa. Yeah. Well, in Tesla's, I've only, I've only been in one and they're freaking quick. Yes. Yeah. That's instant horsepower. So with cars, you have to build up the horsepower with hybrid. It's you, you put electricity, you go straight through, it goes, that's it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Do you like working on Tesla's? Um, never worked on them. Uh, they oh. always go back to Tesla. They don't really go to anybody else. Maybe okay. tire shops, but those cars go back to Tesla. They're kind of like Apple. <laughs> you send your Apple yeah. phone back to Apple. Right. Um, it'll probably be another five to ten years before the aftermarket people like us see anything like that or even have to even deal with that. So, Wow. It's that. It's just so, such a new technology and to have Elon Musk technology in our little shop would just be crazy <laughs> to have to service right. like he yeah. has a he has platforms that he can put the cars on that detach the batteries and do all this crazy stuff within seconds like we can't do that wow yeah so, so he can wave have the, wave <laughs> of the future right yeah. here and now right right he keeps it in house which that's kind of a lot of these car companies have been trying to do. Ford was like that for a long time. He wanted to keep everything in the house. He wanted Ford only to work on Ford. Um, but you have to play nice. Just That's just what the government wanted everything to be mandated as. Um, but nowadays, I mean, it looks like you can have your own company and, and keep it uh, proprietary. So. Right. It's like a whole new business model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's your uh, prediction for the future? What do cars um, look like in 25 years? A lot of hybrids, um, a lot less gas. Um, my car will be something that people will be like, oh, that's that's stinky, <laughs> which it won't be. But um, it, yeah, it would be a lot of electricity in the hybrid cars. And I think, I still think that the, the 90s and, and 2000 cars, you know, those those era cars are still going to be around because the way the economy is right now, everybody's keeping um, their older cars, their high mileage cars. So I feel like they're going to stick around for a little longer, but the future is going to be an electric hybrid for sure. Yeah. If not an alternative gas, I think we definitely need to figure that out too. There's a lot of propane and, and natural gas ways to do Yeah. I've heard uh, I heard these guys talking these people talking at a hardware store one time and they were saying that there was there were models of cars that could run on water but Mm -hmm. that the big car companies bought up the patents and then put them on the shelves because it would basically destroy the entire market yeah no gas companies put that down real fast and and actually they they did that with um, with E85 for a little bit um, until they kind of got their hands on it a little more and produce more of it. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty crazy. Water, water steam, and it, it came out clean, came out like H2 on the other end, and it would change things. It's just 
I don't think you can make a lot of horsepower with that, but and be really efficient and and the way it was built, I, I don't know. It would have to change a lot of things for that to work. But <laughs> I feel like with, with the gas engine, I mean, obviously petroleum fueled the car, so the production of cars. So it's it's hard to say if that became a big thing back then and how the output of, of cars would be today. It would definitely be different, that's for sure. Right, the entire market of everything would be completely so, different. Yeah, exactly. The, the gas car wouldn't be king. The gas engine wouldn't be king. Right now, it'd be it'd be hydrogen. The hydrogen. So that'd be nuts. It'd be nuts. But then you would be like, well, what would we create after that? Like, what would be the next thing? We still go hybrid. We still go electricity. Huh. Dude, this is fun to think about. Or even go gas. You know, oh, look what I just did with these fuels. And then next thing right. you know, we tap into gas a little later in our century instead of earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. The global impact would be really wild. And like the, the impact on our climate would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally All right, Daryl. Well, we're going to jump into the uh, question section of the podcast. Cool. So my first question for you is if you could go back in time and talk to little Daryl, who is like maybe we'll say 10 years old and you could give little Daryl some advice, what would you say to him? Uh, Save all your dollars by all the property you can. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Buy anything you can that has property, but any value, buy it own it (laughs) yeah that's what i would tell me and probably um what else would i tell me (laughs) finish more projects that's what i would tell myself to finish more projects you feel like you've started a lot of projects and then haven't carried them through yeah there's a few i'm trying to get through and then there's other things that show up and i knock them out and they're done i'm like well come on That's that's definitely the life of a mechanic. You can have some projects of your own and never finish them for ten years. Right. And do and build somebody a whole race car twice. <laughs> right. You know, it happens. But yeah, I would say but finish it, finish more projects. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. It's so I feel like when you are a professional at a craft, then when you are applying that same energy to something that you're not getting paid for. Um, you just, it, it's a challenge. It definitely messes with you a little bit because that's time that you're doing your craft, but you're not actually monetizing on it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's like, I mean, I, I think our, everyone, artists go through the same thing. It's like, it, it definitely comes to my mind where I'm like, well, okay, I'm not getting paid for this though. Granted, mm-hmm. I mean, you, any energy you put into a project, you can sell it for something down the line. So it's not like it's like lost energy, but yeah. And that all just depends. I mean, with, with automotive and, and, and this being a hobby, like think of this as a hobby and like, and I wasn't a mechanic. I was just a hobbyist at, at this, but really good for me to do this. I just dump a whole bunch of money into a car. I know I'm not getting my money out. It's, it's the whole, I want to do this because I know what I'm going to get into. I don't want to do it because the money is, I'm going to recoup the money. It's just, I want to have a car that can perform exactly the way I want, but I would. You know, yeah. And that, when you put that in yourself, it's 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 different than um, having the monetary out. That's how I see it. At least with my with my project, I don't feel like I'll ever lose on it. Like if I ever say I want to do it again, and I sell fifteen grand, I put thirty, forty grand in, and that's just what it is. That's what happens with these things. They're race cars. Um, yeah. But then when you're doing something for somebody and you put your name on it, it's totally different. Like, you know, all right, now this is a real value. I have to do good for my business. Yep. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, for better or worse, we live in a capitalist world where mm-hmm. time is money. And right. so, like, if you're really going to take your craft or your skill or your talent or your love for something all the way, you have to figure out a way to monetize it and like add value to people's life through what you're doing, or else it's, not like the the motive the intrinsic motivation is only going to be there for so long and then at a certain point you're like 
wasting time when you could be like supporting yourself right doing something else that that could be making your making some money doing something right right because right. we all got to eat right exactly and that's and that's i'm surprised that i i, I flourish so well in repair um like i just got to where i got to a point where i learned how to work fast and efficiently so i can make the money so like when you're doing it that way and you're repairing cars um it's a totally different mindset than when i go out in the garage and i'm building my race car i'm taking a little more time i don't have to get this done right now you know i get that attitude now um but it's okay you know it's just how it goes you're building your project and building you're doing your art you don't have to finish something up right now you know you change it it's it's okay yeah yeah you have that option with repair you're you fix the car the way it is you get it done and you get it out, which is good. You can be efficient at that. It's easy to do. You're putting on the same part you took off. That's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. When you're doing something different and custom, you have a part that kind of fits, but we got to make it fit a little better. So now I got to cut, grind, well, add some things, take some things, and then put that part on. Yeah. Well, lots of different layers to, to that. So many. <laughs> All right. All right. So, uh, okay. Well, next question for you is, um, what would you like to see take place in five years? Now that you can think about this on a personal level, on like a a local level, a community level, or a a worldwide level, whatever, however you want to answer this. Um, next five, probably some normality again. Um, it's been a rough year for everybody but just yeah. a little bit of normalcy and and civility would be nice to see in the next five yeah 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 this is the craziest time that any of us who is alive has seen it right. seems like right exactly and i don't think it's just it's just going to be a new experience every year for us so yeah totally yeah um that's a good answer. <laughs> we try to all stay right, next question. That's all we do is just stay, stay positive. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. And uh, enjoy what we can while we've got it. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. So next question is, what is the most impactful piece of media that comes to mind for you? And this can be a book, an article, a song, an album, uh um youtube whatever the hell you want podcast um i would say probably music in general um that's my go-to music um between home and work you definitely want to get a good jam in your head get you pumped up for the day so you just kind of pick through man i go through so much different genres and (laughs) music types you go crazy but I love it all. So I like to hear different things and put me in a different mood for the day. Yeah. Music is such a, uh, just like it helps you flow with the day. And it's like, it's such a connection with our moods. Right. Right. Totally. You could be in a bad mood. And by the time you get through two or three songs, you're like, what? No, I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Let's jam. Let's, let's pump it out, man. I don't even care. Yeah. I'm learning how to make music on this program called Ableton. Yeah. And uh, I'm really kind of fascinated with the beats per minute concept mm-hmm. and then the way that it connects with our heartbeats. And mm-hmm. like, like hip hop is a little bit slower. It's like a 90 beats per minute thing. And then house mm-hmm. music is faster. It's like 120. Right. And then mm-hmm. like, and the, and every different range of music, like 105 is this, 110 is this. Like, it's like it's almost like a spectrum, and then our hearts connect with like if we get moving at that beat, then, uh, you know, it's like really good to run it uh, and jog at certain so beats per minute. minute music. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. That's pretty cool how it yeah. all. Um, yeah, you how we connect with what's going on with the beats with with the music right no totally um all right so here's uh here's your last question and that is what's your definition of art um i say my definition of art is 
what you perceive. So your perspective, because um, it's always flowing and changing, right? So it literally that person's perspective. You can see one thing, I can see something else, but I, it, it's hard to explain. <laughs> I feel like no, art, absolutely. I feel like art is hard to explain because it could it could be anything. Anything out there could be art. Yeah, and like what you're talking about is the the perspective of the viewer of art. Like right. and uh like art is in the eye of the beholder and so it's so relative and subjective to whoever the viewer is. Yes, exactly. Because some people, you know, they, they see things and they're like, you know, that's ugly. That's that's your perspective. I get it. And I see something and that's beautiful. It's that's just what it is. Yeah. You know. Nobody's yeah. right or wrong about it. Yeah, totally. And that's that's a really fun element of it. And it's mm -hmm. almost like by seeing someone's take on a certain piece of art, you can get a really good gauge on who they are and what mm -hmm. their perspectives are. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Like It's almost as much about them as it is about the art. Right. Like that question of, is this art? Right, right, exactly. And a lot of to kind of circle it back to automotive, like with custom cars and stuff. If you look out there with stuff that a lot of people built themselves, that's them. You're seeing those themselves on that car, on that on that thing they built. You know, they put themselves on that, and that's that's how you do that. You can literally see a person in a car. You can meet that person. Like, man, I felt like it's exactly you're exactly you're eclectic, you're weird, and your car is eclectic and weird. That's it. Just matters. <laughs> <laughs> And then you see somebody that's kind of like, and that's a clean, simple car. And you see him and you're like, man, that's, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> and yeah. then sometimes you'll see somebody that is scruffy and they'll come out of a Cadillac and it won't, it won't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it shows, it, it definitely shows their decision making at some level. So it's like, okay, so like your exterior is scruffy, but there's definitely a, like a, a wavelength that you connect with a Cadillac on at some level. Right. And if you I'll want some kind of luxury, you have a feeling for that, but you can't keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, art in terms of the artist is such a reflection of their mindset, values, decision-making, actions, action steps. And, so in that way, like, yeah, your car is such a reflection of you as the artist. Right. Exactly. Hmm. It's your feels, your feelings, how, how you perceive things. So, yeah. What, what you value in a car, like, right. are you going for a hybrid or are you going for a muscle car? Right. You're going for muscle, you're going for speed, you want to you wanna drift, you want to drag, what do you want to do with this thing? With your <laughs> Yeah, which is cool because then right there, it comes back to your intention. Yeah, what's and, the intention? What are you planning on doing with this? Yep. And a lot of times, um, I just wrote a little article for my website about style and like style in murals and artwork and a big part of it. What it all comes down to is the intention of your art, your painting. And then from there, you can think about different styles that express your intention most accurately or effectively and so for there it's like what do you want you want your car to drift or drag that's going to influence Where the tires you choose right, right. And, tires and wheel size and suspension like that's really i mean suspension would be a big thing between the two of those with drag you want something soft with, with drift you want something that has a little more feedback and control mm -hmm. so, nice Oh, cool. All right. Well, oh, Daryl, this is the part where of the episode where I acknowledge my guests for being on the show. And uh, Daryl, it's been awesome it's getting been to know you over the last like 10 years. Oh, it's been crazy. However dude. long we've known. I, I and, it's been uh, forever. <laughs> yeah, man. We've had some awesome conversations, uh, you know, in different places in the world. And oh, just man. like it, it's uh, it's been good. And it's been really cool seeing you develop your skill and and your talent as a mechanic and like now you you just know it you're, you're you've got it so 
it's really cool. Good it's job. a training thing, man. You just got to keep up with it. It's always changing. Every yeah. changing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate um, it, man. Always. Yeah, definitely. Um, if people want to connect with you and talk cars, where can they connect with you? Um, they can find me on my Instagram at dip, as in G-I-P, T4R. So I'm sorry, underscore T4R. <laughs> Just changed it. Um, okay. And uh, on Facebook at Daryl Gibson. Pretty easy. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always throwing car questions at you. <laughs> yeah, any questions, just send them to me through Facebook. I uh, always hit up Messenger, so any questions, let me know. Sweet. Always um, answer. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so we got we got like one more minute. What kind, what wisdom can you give the people on the way out? Oh, man. Let's see. A good A good choice is if you're out, ever searching for a car and you really want to have a good good buy and not not feel like you've been taken by anything but always just take it to somebody you trust um all right my friends that was daryl gibson the mechanic the car aficionado the car lover um that was a lot of fun that was a lot of fun we had some technical difficulties at the end he cut out right there and uh, i couldn't hear anything else but i called him back and asked him uh about the wisdom and so he finished up with you know take your car to somebody who you can trust before you buy it which is fantastic advice and then uh and then he was like you know and also work on the side of of trusting people that trusting that people have good intentions a lot of people will start out by not trusting others and then like work their way into trusting after they've been shown that they can be trustworthy but uh he said he likes to stay on the positive side of things and and lean into the possibility that everybody has good intentions and uh, start from there and then if you're shown that you can't trust somebody, then that's a whole different ballgame. Um, but uh, start on the side of trust, which I think is awesome. So that was a blast. Again, uh, share this out with your friends, your creative, artistic uh, friends of all kinds. The whole concept of this podcast is that we're all creative in all our backgrounds. And the idea is to inspire each other with these conversations showing that uh yeah get that creative muscle working and uh practice 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 at what you do and you're gonna get better at it and before you know it 10 years will have gone by and you will be a master mechanic at whatever craft it is that you do so thanks again for listening i really appreciate it you can find me on instagram at taylor g murals and hit me up with any questions or let me know what you're doing that's creative in the world. I love to hear from people and it's inspiring for me. So lots of love to you. Cheers.